0: You know, I'll be honest, I did not, had no idea what the hell I was getting myself. And if you, you're too young to remember this, but the movie Private Benjamin is not too far off of how I was in basic training.
1: And that was a little teaser from today's Your Shining Self podcast guest, Elise Salomon. Be sure to listen to the full episode to hear Elise's story about being a woman in the military. Also, head on over to ShiningSelf.com forward slash 54 to get the notes from today's episode. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to another episode of the Your Shining Self podcast, where women of all different walks of life share stories of hope, love, and transformation. And I'm your host, Tish. Today, I'm so excited to have Elise Salomone with me. Elise, will you take a couple minutes and tell our listeners a little about who you are and what makes you tick? <laughs>
0: Sure. So, hello, I'm Elise Salamone, and I will start with I'm a retired um, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and a women's health nurse practitioner. I also served in the army i retired from the air force in 2014. i'm originally from puerto rico and grew up in connecticut um so i'm an east coast girl that transplanted to the pacific North- northwest which i love and um i have a 29 year old son and i'm the oldest of three girls and grew up in a single parent household um i'm trying to think what else and what makes me tick coffee Good friends, travel, fashion, and I am constantly learning. Um, And sometimes I say yes to too many things and then I get overwhelmed. So I'm trying to be better about that in 2020. And I'm actually in the process of starting a new business here in the next couple of months for uh, business coaching.
1: Ooh, I like the sounds of that. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely relate to everything you said, Elise, except for the coffee thing. I do (laughs) not do coffee at all. Anything that leaves a coffee, I love the smell of coffee, but it's that aftertaste in my mouth. I cannot handle it.
0: Yes. Well, it's funny because my son has always felt the same way. And then recently, he just started asking me to leave him some coffee. And I'm like,
1: Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny how our taste buds change as we get older.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, he, he thinks he needs the caffeine, um, to kind of get going. Um, but there's some other health issues why I don't want him drinking coffee, but that's another long story of being a caregiver. Um, but he, um, it's funny because he's 29 and he's currently living with me and he's like, mom, can you, I think I'm going to start drinking coffee. And I'm Like, okay, whatever. (laughs) But I think his idea of coffee is more like, you know, he puts a million things in it, it's really not, it's like coffee.
1: I was going to say, I have doctored up coffee before enough that I could like, you know, get it down, but uh, it is just not my thing. And I laugh because I'm like, I think I'm like the only person in the world that loves the smell, but hates the taste.
0: No, no. My ex-husband was the same way. And he was Italian and German, which is, you know, coffee is a huge thing in, in their culture. Right. He did not drink coffee. I should have known that that was the first red flag, but that's another story. <laughs>
1: Well, and we could sit and chat about this all night, but that is definitely not what I wanted to talk about tonight. And okay. Before we jump into the conversation, uh, first thing I want to say, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with me. I so appreciate that. And I also want to thank you for your service.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was definitely, my service is probably one of the proudest things in my life and proudest accomplishment. And it was an honor to serve our country.
1: I love when I run into women that, you know, are currently serving or have served because so often I still catch myself. Like when I think of military, it's not often that I think of women and that that's Mm -hmm. so sad.
0: But you're not the only one, and that's one of my, I do a lot of public speaking, and that's, you know, one of my big um, themes is that to educate the typical civilian, American civilian who still think that women don't serve and don't realize that we serve and that we've been serving for, you know, decades, and that we're serving on the front lines. So telling our story and letting, informing people of the things that we're doing is, is one of the things that I love talking about. So whenever I get an opportunity to do any podcast interviews or whatever, I always, you know, talk a little bit about my my service to educate and to inspire other women, um, you know, about not only our service, but the things that we're contributing back to our society.
1: Well, and that's why I was super excited to have you come on with me, because like I said, you know, when I think of military or veterans, I don't often think of women. So Mm -hmm. I was really interested And one of the things about being a podcast um, host is I selfishly (laughs) am so excited to talk with everybody because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear their story. So that's Mm -hmm. what I love. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we jump into, so we're actually going to talk about how you help transitioning veterans and women into their next chapters. But before we jump into that, will you take me and my leader, my leaders, oh my goodness, it's late <laughs> in the evening, <laughs> will you take me and my listeners back to the moment in time in your life when you realized, I want to serve my country? Oh my goodness. Um, so
0: I am the only person in my immediate family that has served. And I am at the time when I was growing up, I was mostly in a family full of women. And there was a, there was two things that I remember the most. One is that in my neighborhood, one of the kids, one of the guys that I used to hang out with, uh, went, you know, like graduated from high school, went to the army and came back. And I was so impressed with his uniform. So I thought that was really cool. And then there was China Beach was um, a Vietnam TV show that had Dana Delaney and she was a military nurse. And I was in love with that show. And just, I don't know, there was just something about that that just really inspired me. But the other big thing is when I was 16, my mom took us to West Point to the academy and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the architecture, the buildings, all the young men walking around in their uniforms. I was like, this is so impressive. I wanna be a part of this. And yeah, so then one day after, right before my senior year, I went to a recruiter and I enlisted in the army and served three years then got out, got married, had my son, finished nursing school, and then uh, was in the Army Reserves, but then ultimately ended up my career um, in the Air Force.
1: Wow, thank you so much for sharing that, Elise. And I immediately, in my head, when I had read you know, the information that you sent to me before we got on this call tonight, I immediately was like, oh, she enlisted because she grew up in a family that, mm-hmm. you know, was military and others served the country because that's so common when yeah. you talk to people that yeah. have served is they come from a family like that. Mm-hmm. So that's just amazing that, you know, at even a young age, like you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I always kind of have led my life on kind of very seat of my pants and it wasn't like I don't you know I'll be honest I did not had no idea what the hell I was getting myself into <laughs> and if you you're too young to remember this but the movie Private Benjamin is not too far off of how I was in basic training wow. um, and you know my my friends in my neighborhood were I was in high school and I was growing up and they're like when I told them I enlisted in the army, they were like, you'll never make it. I am, I was like the most unathletic person in the world. I did dance and tap and, you know, that was beauty pageants. That was my thing, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, it's really, I think that's why I'm so proud of my service because I did things that I never thought possible. And what the military taught me is that I can accomplish anything I set my mind to and that I'm more, I, I'm stronger than I realize. And, you know, that's why I'm very proud of my service and I love talking about it because I think there's a lot of uh, stigma in our social narrative about military veterans and, um, you know, women not serving, women serving, what do we look like? Uh, what's our personality and so forth. And, um, I want to change the narrative. I want to be like just, you know, normal people join the military. People, you know, join because they want to serve their country. They, there's other things, reasons why people serve that have nothing to do with coming from um, broken homes or that they have no other options or whatever. I mean, I have to say that most of the people I served were with were some of the most intelligent, well-educated, and just amazing human beings that I have surrounded myself with. Um, so I'm very honored, I'm very proud of my service, and and I talk, you know, I speak very highly of it. I was very lucky that I did have a good career. Um, and there was pros and cons to everything. You know, I had some, you know, some challenges too, but for the most part, it was a good 27-year total uh, military career.
1: I have goosebumps listening to you, Elise. Oh, my gosh. Um, so let's jump into, well, actually, I have one other question that popped up while we were just chatting. What did your family do when you went to them and told them that you were enlisting?
0: <clears throat> well, this is a funny story, and my mom hates that I tell this story, but my mom um, worked at nights because she was a nurse, and I told her when she was in the middle of her sleep, I kind of woke, woke her up, and I said, Mom, I enlisted in the Army. And, I, and you know, she had, she had no idea what the hell that meant, um, but she's like, well, you made your bed. You're going to have to lay in it. <laughs> And um, actually I'm the oldest of three girls, and I was always in a parent figure too because I grew up in a parent. And my sisters till this day, and particularly my little sister, she's never really forgiven me for, for leaving because you know she felt abandoned that her oldest sister, her second mom, left. Um, in fact, my niece just today. Lives in Connecticut, she's like, Are you ever going to move back east? And I was like, Well, let's talk about that, you know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my family really didn't understand the whole military thing. It wasn't until my major, my promotion to major, that they came to my promotion ceremony because I was stationed in DC where they got to hear other people speaking about my career and how they felt about my leadership and heard me, you know, speaking public speaking for the first time. Now, I think that's when they finally got it, at least understood a little bit about what my service meant to me and how much it has shaped me to be the person who I was.
1: Wow. Um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, not coming from a family that was in the military, uh-huh. it probably was new to them. So yeah, until they yeah. understood it. You know, it, it was something new for them, too.
0: So yeah, my what? yeah, to this day my family it really doesn't, you know, like they understand now, but they back then they really didn't understand what it all meant and what I was doing.
1: And not that my online business, you know, is anything against you serving in the military, but as an example, my family and friends, well, other than my like online friends and the people that I kind of run with in the online world, but For the most part, 90% of the people that are family and friends do not have any clue what my online business is or what Mm -hmm. I do online. Mm -hmm. Like I laugh because, you know, they sit around thinking, oh, well, you know, Tisha's sitting there eating bonbons all day. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was just laughing, you know, thinking about that because sometimes people really are clueless about what we're doing. Well, that's why we have to tell our stories, right? Exactly. And I'm so thankful that you're sharing yours. Thank you. So let's talk about how you are helping transitioning veterans and women into their next chapters of life. So before we jump into that, when you say a transitioning veteran, will you tell my listeners a little about what that is? Oh, absolutely. So a transitioning veteran is someone that has
0: served the military, but now they're separating from the military, whether it's they finished their commitment or they were medically discharged or retired because they got injured during service or they did a 20 plus year career and now they were really retiring from the military. And what we call that period from the time they're separating from the military to the time they transition into their new civilian life is called transitioning because it's a huge transition coming from the military world into the civilian sector.
1: What is, uh, like, can you give me an example of what it was like for you to transition back into the civilian life? Sure, um, you know, for me, if you look at my transition from, you know, from
0: the outside and not know all the struggles, you would think that I had a, su- a successful transition because what I did in the Air Force, I was a women's health nurse practitioner, and that's exactly what I did when I got out. So my military skills transitioned very well into the civilian sector. However, um I have been retired now since 2014 and I find myself almost six years later still transitioning because what happened is I got a government job as a nurse practitioner at, um, at a military hospital. So I was kind of still in the same um, environment, but what no one told me and what no one explained to me was that I really should have taken some time off to just regroup that no one mentored me to tell me, you know, do you really wanna move so far away from family? Um, There was just a lot of things that I wish I would've known then that I know now and that I tell people that are transitioning. These are the lessons and the things that you need to take to heart before you make any major decisions once you get out of the military and before you make out of the military and there's a lot of movement right now for different um, veteran service organizations and for the military to try to help and make that transition easier or less painful for people because um, a lot of people underestimate the that transition period and how difficult it is
1: thank you thank you for sharing that i know you know for me personally um and i I don't know how to say it and I'm not trying to sound, you know, silly or anything, but a lot of times I think, you know, if somebody has been over in Iraq or wherever, Mm -hmm. whatever they're doing, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, when they come back, it's just, boom, they're going to, you know, come back and settle into normal life. Yeah. And, you know, to hear you talk about that, it's just a great reminder that, and again, I can only speak for myself personally, um, And I haven't, like I, my uncles were in the military and things like that, but I was too young to understand, you know, what all they did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I haven't like experienced it firsthand, so to say, but you know, how silly to think as I'm talking to you and listening to you share your story you know, how crazy that I would think that somebody could go and do the things that they're doing. And for the ones that, you know, see combat and are in Mm -hmm. combat, Mm -hmm. there's no possible way that you can come out of that and come back into civilian life and just boom, you know, at the snap of a finger, be able to transition back into the life you had before doing that, because it's gotta be so different.
0: It's, it's very different. And even if you didn't serve in combat, you know, the military is a very unique culture. And it's a very, my sister likes to call it, you know, the cult. And, <laughs> and I, we laugh about that. But, you know, we have our own um, culture that really gets embedded into us, how we speak, how we present ourselves, um, how we think, how we, how we interact in teams, you um, you know, just our training, it's very unique to the civilian sector. And then when you come out into you transition and you're in a civilian environment, and you know, a lot of times for, for a good portion of us, we struggle with, you know, why aren't people just coming to work on time and doing what they need to do? Because that's what was expected of us in the military. Mm-hmm. And you would never think to, you know, show up, you know, half hour late and not think anything of it. You would never think of getting a project and not completing it because the expectation was in the military that if you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble. You know, you're held accountable. There's a huge sense of accountability that I, me as a civilian manager really struggled trying to understand where like my team or the lack of people thinking that way, where, you know, how do I try to manage and lead people and, you know, just kind of, um, yeah, I guess manage my expectations of others that haven't necessarily served, but still try to get the mission or the the outcome accomplished that you're trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, and then if you throw in there the fact that you went to Iraq or Afghanistan, well, that's like another whole, um, man, that's just like another whole can of worms because um, there's just so much change that you go through as a person when you're in that environment. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, we come back from combat, and our families, our partners, even our command, our leadership that have been deployed, they don't understand um, just the, the, the changes that you went through and how it takes a while to just readjust to just being back in a normal life. Um, I was just at a veteran conference, and it was all females, all, we were all women veterans, and we spoke about that, how for most of us, it took us a good anywhere from three to five years to kind of feel normal again after coming back from a combat tour. And that's a long time.
1: Three to five years is a really long time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so many things are running through my head through all (laughs) that. When you first came back, did you find that like your family and friends were they treating you? I guess I want to say normal, Um, Or were they kind of tiptoeing around on like eggshells? Were they not sure what to say to you? What things you guys could talk about?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a combination of all of that. I remember the first time seeing my son after coming back from Afghanistan and and we were were doing a road trip um, and he, he just looked at me and he goes, mom, I didn't know what to expect, but you seem like you're normal. You're, you know, you're okay. Um, and then there were others that felt that I was angry um, and irritable, um, not my usual typical happy self. Um, but I think some of that was because of how I deployed and some of the experience I had there, but also my readjustment coming back. And and um, you know, I felt very comfortable talking to others that had deployed because we had shared experiences, but it was hard for to explain and talk about some of the things that I experienced out there that were just very, um, you know, just very rare experiences. And my ex-husband at the time, he was like, well, you're a nurse, you know, you see trauma, you were trained to do that trauma. And I'm like, Um, not really not when the responsibility is all on you to save people's lives and you're the only like real medical provider there that huge sense of responsibility and in crisis because you don't have all the supplies you need or you're just in a you know it's just you and and um yeah there's just a lot there's a lot of dynamics that go with the different experiences of uh, people that served in combat
1: Yeah, I can imagine, well, like I said, I don't know firsthand um, because I haven't had anybody like close to me as Mm -hmm. an older person, you know, that has been like in the military or anything, but just in my head, just thinking like I'm sitting here and I'm like, how can I even think that somebody could come back and just Mm-hmm. You know, jump back into like the normal conversations, and like your ex husband saying, you know, you're used to seeing trauma. It's entirely different. Mm-hmm. Even in my head, I'm like, well, I know that's different. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's move the conversation back to how you're helping empowering um, veterans and women into their next chapters. How did you decide that you wanted to start doing this? well honestly
0: i i stumbled upon this passion when i left the first job that i had out of my retirement i left after three years because i was really burnt out um and then it took me um then i took another job and then that job laid me off after only six months and that's really when i started realizing that I wasn't the only one really struggling with transition. And I had spoken to a lot of my male friends and male counterparts. But then slowly, I started getting really active on LinkedIn and kind of telling my story about how I got laid off. And people were like, "Well, you're a nurse practitioner. you can find a job anywhere, but it really wasn't that easy. And um, I started nurses, other nurses and other women veterans that were transitioning started reaching out to me and and asking for advice. and asking me, um, you know, what should I do about this? And what should I do about that? And I just kind of stumbled upon this space where women veterans and veterans in general just needed a lot of help and guidance transitioning from the civilians, from their military careers into the civilian sector. Um, So a lot of the things that I do are not like official or proper. They're just a lot of I'm available if you need a question call me and I will talk to you about my transition and the things that I wish someone would have told me when I was transitioning um, and I'm also involved with the lean-in community and lean and women veterans uh, platform also um, so I I'm involved in that air arena too um, but I think a lot of it is that people know me. I have a huge network. And if someone's transitioning and they're struggling, people will direct them to me. And then I will you know, take the time and talk to people um, about some of the things that to look for, some of the things to think about, um, some of the resources that are out there. Um, and I've kind of become like a resource hub for people that are transitioning. And just getting them to think about transition a little bit differently than, Oh, I'm going to get out. And, you know, because I was a Lieutenant Colonel uh, in the air force or army, I'm going to walk into this, you know, corporate job and everything's going to be great. Cause I have a, no, 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 it doesn't work that way.
1: <laughs> Elise, I love what you said about you do, you, you are like, okay, this is, you know, what worked for me when I was transitioning and um, that, So for me personally, I would rather, there's all sorts of, you know, like certified coaches out there and I'm not by any means bashing coaches that are certified. That's great. But when I want to work with somebody like a life coach or a therapist Mm -hmm. or whatnot, I honestly, I could care less about those dang certifications. Mm. What I want to know is this person is, you know, has walked through the fire, so to speak, has been in my shoes and can totally relate to what I'm going through. So for example, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for five and a half years now. Oh, good for you. Thank you. Um, And for me, you know, I think back to when I walked through the doors of AA, I was not interested in connecting with some professional, I'm a licensed, you know, psychologist or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I needed those people around those tables and they came from all walks of life. Yeah. I needed those people that had been through what I had been through. You know, all of our stories were so similar. Yes. um, And that, like, I just think that's way more powerful than somebody that can throw a certification out there. And again, not bashing certifications, because I think that's great. There's tons of, you know, certified coaches and stuff that I know. But like I said, for me personally, I want somebody that's been there, that's been through it and has, Mm -hmm. you know, come out on the other side. So I love that that's what you do.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned this because... um, I was just at this conference this weekend and part of the conference was that we're going to get coaching um as part of the research that we're involved in and I was talking to some people and they were like oh you really need to get certified if you're going to be um if you're going to add value or work with big corporations and and you know as a coach and I'm like but I don't necessarily want to work for big corporations I just want to monetize what I'm already doing which is because people that I'm helping don't have the resources to really pay me but they need the help so I'm trying to figure out how to manage that space but my connections is I want to talk to other women that I've been through divorce or veterans that have really struggled that have come now have had a successful transition what did they do to get there and you know like when I talk to my son has epilepsy I gravitate to towards other parents that are adult caretakers for their kids because what were your best practices? What helped you? How did you get through this? Because the sol there's solitary, there's I can't pronounce that word, solitary. Solitary. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. But but I there's did. there's there's that common bond and that shared experience that like you said you don't want to talk to the life to the life coach who's never understood you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and evening and drink to get through the day and i don't want to talk to somebody um, that got out of the military and they had this beautiful transition and nothing you know it was all successful or the person that you know like when i was getting going through my second divorce because i've been divorced twice like I was embarrassed about that, that I've had two failed marriages because I'm a loving, caring person and I really tried to do the right thing, but this was my story. And for a long time, I let that define me. And now I'm like, no, I've been married and divorced twice. It just didn't work out. It is, doesn't define me as part of my journey. And um, I'd rather talk to someone like me that's real and is going to put it out there and hold other people accountable. But that has that life experience that they've been through that shit that they've been through, through life, that they've been through life. They've been through that. They've been through that journey of just through that life journey. That hasn't been easy.
1: Yes, 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 yes. yes. (laughs) I was shaking my head and nodding the entire (laughs) time you were saying all that. Cause like I said, I needed those people that, you know, And granted, there were some professional people in the program, Mm -hmm. but it was the person that wasn't throwing around, you know, the, I'm a licensed therapist or a certified coach or whatnot that I so related to, because I just want that one-on-one connection with, you know, that person, like we already said, that's Mm -hmm. been through it and is now, you know, maybe not entirely moved past it, but they're living and a better life they're thriving yeah. now
0: yeah well because they understand your struggles they understand the ups and downs i was just talking to a girl i met this weekend and her and i had, had some similar deployment experiences and we were met at the conference she's like i want to talk to you when we leave here because i feel like we have similar stories and i asked her her story and um we didn't get a chance to finish the conversation but i said i have a very similar story here. Mine's a little bit of a different outcome And she's like, I don't want this part of my military career to define me because I want to be proud of my service because this one bad section wasn't my whole story. And I said, absolutely. I totally get that. I totally get that because I think sometimes we as humans focus so much on the mistake that we did and we're not kind to ourselves instead of just embracing that that was part of your journey. You've learned from it. It's not a, it's a, it's it's only a failure if you don't learn the lesson. It is only a failure if, if you haven't learned the lesson. If you continue to keep making the same mistakes over and over again, then, eh, then you you know, you got some issues. You're going to have to figure out what is it? What is it going to take for you to learn from that lesson from falling down and failing. But the lesson is, what did I learn from those two failed marriages? What I learned is, is that I'm a really wicked independent person, and I don't know if I'm really cut out to be married. <laughs> you know, I believe in love, and and this is what I tell people, you know, I think one of the things that's remarkable about me, that despite that, I still believe in love, I still believe in marriage, but I just don't know if that's really the right thing for me, you know? Um, so I, I just think those, those lessons in connecting with those people that have gone through similar stories. So I think that's the best therapy in the world. I really do.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And how, how awesome that you realize about yourself that you're not sure if marriage is the right thing for you. Yeah. I think that's, so much better to be aware mm-hmm. that you know this about yourself than to just go step into another marriage, like I yeah. think that and it sounds like you're open to if it happens, it happens,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm open to it, um but I definitely know that right now in this particular point in my life and i'm I'm in a very stable and help and happy relationship, but I know and I've told him from day one I said. I don't think I ever want to get remarried. I just don't see how that serves my life at this point, in this particular point in my life. Um, however, I do want the companionship and I do want to have that love connection because I'm still a romantic at heart. But, um, you know, but that's what I learned from being married um, for seven years and then being married again for over, you know, for 13 years is that. I learned that what I need and what I need to be happy and what I learned, you know, I learned a lot of relationship stuff too about myself that, you know, um, that has served me now. Um, And I know to stand my ground, you know, I know to stand up for myself and be like, you know what, this doesn't really work for me anymore.
1: So, yeah. And we could totally go down a rabbit trail and talk about, talk about the whole love thing, relationship, marriage thing. But I just wanted to say, you know, for the longest time I thought like to be in love, you had to be married. And mm-hmm. now I'm, well I was single for a really long time before I entered into the relationship that I'm in now. And I so I'm, I'm really torn because part of me, I want to be married, but then the other part of me is like, I don't need to have that piece of paper that says we're married because I'm so in love and so happy just the way things are right now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think, I
0: think American society needs to get, you know, they're so rooted on the traditional marriage thing where if you go to, um. If you go to, um, you know, like Europe or Iceland, where people are, they live together for 20, 30 years, have kids, but they never get married. And I'm like, why can't we as Americans kind of just learn from that, you know? And their divorce rates are way lower than ours because of that.
1: Yep. (laughs) So, oh my gosh, Elise, this has been such a phenomenal conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. It's been so good. I have that effect on people. Yeah, well, I love it. And one of the other things that I love is I'm also in the Pacific Northwest and not too far from you. So I I'm, know, I know,
0: girl, we'll, we'll need to have, we'll need to get together for, um, I don't know.
1: I'll have coffee and you can have something else, sparkling (laughs) drinks. So I wanted to ask you about um, something that you had mentioned in the information that you submitted to me before we got on the call. I have no idea if it has anything to do with veterans and the work that you're currently doing or if it's something entirely different But I selfishly want to know about the I Am Remarkable workshop. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Oh my
0: gosh, yes. So um, let me ask you a question first. Do you know, have you read or heard of Shul Sandberg and the book she wrote Lean In? No, I have not. Okay, so Shul Sandberg wrote a book, I think it was in 20, I'm going to say it's 2013. I always get my dates wrong. It might have been 2016. But anyways, it was about women in the workplace. And that book became very successful. Um, there was some criticism of it because it wasn't diverse and didn't include, you know, all the different, you know, um, women's situations. But however, what came out of it was that Sheryl Sandberg developed this nonprofit foundation to create circles, uh, which are ba- basically peer groups where women get together and just support each other through their professional goals their personal goals and keep moving women forward so anyways nowadays there's 44,000 circles around the world there's you know thousands and thousands of women that are involved in this organization and foundation that are moving women forward and are just doing amazing things well they have a a regional conference every year in um, San Francisco and this year um, and there's a lot of um, professional and personal development that goes on in the conference and this year, they did the Unremarkable am Remarkable um, training uh, session. And basically, the, the um, I'm Remarkable is, was a Google initiative. There was a Google executive that started this program, and I'm gonna have to, let me... Um, and her stand was that we as women, she started with just women, that we um, do not self-promote enough, and when we don't self-promote and talk about our accomplishments, especially in the workplace, it actually creates a barrier for trying to get promoted and to move in the, uh, to move in the, um, you know, in the professional space, so then she realized that this was actually an even bigger issue for people that were in diverse spaces like women of color uh the lgbt community uh people that have um that are uh disabled so um if you go if you earmark or google unremarkable what you'll find is that this campaign was an, an initiative that was started by this woman at um through google and now through that professional development that I had in August, they trained us. And now I am trained to do these Army Remarkable workshops with other groups. So for example, I did the workshop um, in October for a group of military spouses that are going through a Microsoft professional development coding uh, program. And basically this group was perfect for it because military spouses are i I will generalize and say an extremely untapped resource of men and women that are highly educated highly trained but because they put their partner's military career beforehand a lot of times they have gap in work they have gaps um, long periods where they're not working because they're taking care of their family but then what happens is when they try to get back into the professional space, whatever the professional space is, it is a struggle. People, professional or organizations have biases because they think, well, they're only going to be here for a year or, you know, they don't, they've been out of work for, you know, four or five years because they've been raising a family. And what I was able to do with that workshop with that particular group is I was able to encourage them and have them reflect on all the accomplishments that they have made up to that point and what makes them individually remarkable and it was things like that people share like i used to be homeless and now i own a house Um, you know i tried for many years to get pregnant and i finally have you know children now and it's things that we kind of take for granted, but these are all part of our journey and our story that make us remarkable and unique. Uh, so that's basically what the campaign is, and you can look it up. Um, it, it's basically sharing our stories and realizing that we need to own our accomplishments and achievements, and it's rooted, if it's rooted on in fact, it, it is not bragging. Cause I think that's a problem that particularly women have. It's like, Ooh, you don't want to talk about, you know, Oh, I'm a retired Lieutenant Colonel. And it's like, people are like, you know, some people be like, well, I don't want to tell people that. Well, hell yeah. I'm telling people that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I retired as a Lieutenant Colonel, you know, that's a huge accomplishment that makes me remarkable that I was able to accomplish that rank when I started in the army as an enlisted, you know, E nothing. So that's the campaign. And, um, I encourage you to look at the video, the Armory Marco video, and you can register and get the training and do the workshop. But it's, it's a pretty powerful exercise.
1: Thank you for sharing that. It sounds phenomenal. And I like what you said about, well, I don't like it, but... When you were talking about, you know, it looks like we're bragging when we say stuff about ourselves, because that's what we're taught. We're taught Mm -hmm. that it's selfish and that it's bragging. And Mm -hmm. I've even been called a narcissist before because I like to talk about, you know, things in my life. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not even close to being a narcissist, but okay. No.
0: No, No, that's, if it is rooted in fact, and this is your life and your accomplishment, that that's not bragging. That's talking about what makes you unique and what makes you, um, remarkable as you as a human, you know, the fact that you were able to overcome alcoholism and you've been sober for five years, that makes you remarkable. A lot of people can't
1: do that. Thank you. Yeah. And I like, um, you know, because we all are remarkable. It may be something like, I am not a lieutenant, a a veteran lieutenant from the military. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I've never won the Pulitzer Prize or something, but I've overcome that alcohol addiction. I've overcome so many other things And I, in my personal journey, so speaking for myself, I have found that the more open I've become, the more willing I've been to be open, vulnerable, and authentic and put my story out there and put myself out there. It gives others around me an invitation for them to step up and just like stand in their own power and be like, Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, pretty cool too. So absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And that's what the remarkable campaign is. It's about, um, it's about talking about how remarkable we are and just owning it, just owning it that, that's, that's, that these things that you accomplish on your life make you unique and make you remarkable and being able to verbalize that so that people know what you bring to the table and to learn your story. And it's not self promotion. It is talking about true achievements that we a lot of times don't talk about, Um, you know, because we're embarrassed or we don't feel like we're bragging. Um, But that's not, you know, the whole point of this unremarkable movement and campaign is that we own our stories and that we are able, we learn to talk about our achievements and accomplishments, and particularly when we are in the professional space and we're interviewing or networking um and to realize that it's okay to talk about these things and it's not bragging if it's based on fact.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. I have so loved talking to you. Like I could sit here and talk to you forever like the rest of the night. Oh my gosh. Like, um so Elise before we end the call is there anything that you want to um leave my listeners with? Um
0: I think is to own your story. If you've struggled with something, remind yourself that it doesn't define you as part of your journey. And you know, one of the things that I've really have come to be my motto and mantra is that failure is not the end. It's only failure if you don't learn from whatever mistake it is that you think you did. Um, you know, And just keep moving forward, have optimism and gratitude because if you get a chance to wake up in the morning and live another day, then you're luckier than a lot of people in this world so oh my gosh yes
1: that was so good and elise if my listeners want to find you online how can they find you so they can find me on linkedin um elise salamone
0: my first name is spelled e-l-i-s and salamone is s-a-l-a-m-o-n-e I'm also on Instagram as 253 Wanderer, and I'm also on Facebook. But my Facebook um, name is Elise E L I S Mabes M A B E S. But I have to tell you, if you reach out to me on Facebook and I don't know you, I don't. I probably won't, won't respond or communicate with you. But if you send me a message and uh, you let me know that you're one of your listeners and you want to talk, then I absolutely will uh, engage.
1: That's understandable, and I think that's how we all should do Facebook. <laughs> Preach into the choir here because I yeah. have hundreds of friends and probably forty percent, maybe fifty percent i don 't even know who they are, other than somehow i 'm connected to them from like the online world, but anyways, that 's a whole nother story. <laughs> we can have another whole conversation on that (laughs) right so see we just need to meet up and chat because oh my goodness absolutely all right well again thank you so much elise thank you listeners that's a wrap for today's episode of the your shining self podcast don't forget to subscribe leave a comment and share with others that need a message of hope love and transformation